Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give the Beans. Wherever you are, I hope that you are doing well. Um, I'm going to follow on from um, the podcast last week with um, Joe Bennett, which got incredible feedback. Um, it's always great to have Joe on. Um, you probably have noticed if you listen to that episode that I really don't do much talking. Um, and <coughs> I guess that's one of the benefits of having him on, that he just... He loves his craft so much um, that all I need to do is ask him a question and boom, he rattles off for another sort of 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I hope that the, the sort of take home from that was execution, execution, execution. And at someone at that level, um, he is continuously battering that home in his own training, but also uh, someone who's an Olympian, which if that doesn't tell you how important it is, um, I don't think anything will because that's something that I need to remind myself of, of every day. I think that we all, when we follow this sort of progressive overload style of training, it all becomes a little bit too easy um, to get so focused on the weight that at times execution can go out the window. And at times, sometimes the best form of progression um, is to drop the, drop the load and focus on the contraction, the initiation, execution, before you then build it back up to the weight you were at. And I guarantee if you build it back up to the weight you were, you, you were at previously, you'll be much stronger um, than you were before and you'll have a bit more, more muscle mass. So this this sort of episode um, ties in well with uh, next week's one, um, which will be with Callum from Muscle Mentors. And we're going to go into um, sort of how to structure an off-season um, for both a natural and assisted athlete and just some sort of training methodologies that we've used with myself um, in sort of my off-season um, and and how you can perhaps implement them into your off-season as well should you should you be doing that. So, but the one with Joe, which kind of focused on an Olympian, we talked about programming a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk today about how you can design a leg day or how you would you would set that out how, how what my initial thought process is behind setting it out now i think joe went some great points last week um hammered on execution but i'm going to give you the sort of hopefully um just, just just the next layer for you to think about if you are designing your own leg day because let's face it not everyone listening to this podcast um, will have a coach i completely understand that and if you are looking for a template remember you can go on the website, vidaphysique.com, hit free programs, um, and we have a, a sort of um, female program up there and a, a male push-pull leg split. So you'll get sort of a rough idea um, of my thought, thought process behind that. All you've got to do is sign up, give your name and email, um, and that'll be pinged over to you straight away. Um, there's also on there uh, something called the Physique Formula, which is literally like a five-day email series, again, it's for free, um, teaching you all the principles that we use to achieve a, an elite physique with our clients. So I guess when it comes to programming itself, there's so many factors that need to be taken into consideration. You know, Not only that, there's also hundreds and maybe perhaps thousands of different methodologies and di- you know different people's opinions out there um, on what you should and shouldn't do, and that can potentially leave you feeling very confused and then just wondering you know are you doing everything right you know you maybe start a program for four weeks and then after four weeks you see a different fitness influencer talk about training you go oh my god i'm not doing that so i should do that i'm going to jump on that bandwagon when actually the split you were on was just was just fine um so you might be wondering sort of where to start so a lot of people, what they will tend to do is just jump, you know, they jump the gun, they'll just jump, go in their session um, and kind of ad hoc it and do 
and do whatever. But before you do that, I, I'd want you to just sort of sit down, grab a notepad, grab, grab your logbook um, and start to plan out. So your first thought process is going to be what muscle group are you want to hit on that leg day? Is it a case of are you wanting to hit everything or are you wanting to kind of prioritize um, a day that suits your own individual needs? Because you might be sitting listening to this and you might have well-developed glutes but shit quads. You might have amazing quads and shit glutes. So then that's going to kind of dictate your thought process for training legs across the week of where you are going to prioritize volume. Now, if you're wondering, well, Vaughn, you keep mentioning this word volume. What does that mean? Let's just break it down straight away. Let's just say that it means the sort of total sets per muscle across like across the week, right? So if you have nailed execution because you've listened to the podcast with Joe, your next thought process is, right, how much volume am I going to put towards um, muscle groups, right? So, I mean, as a general rule of thumb, you know, females out there, you're probably going to get away with training legs a bit more frequently than us males. Um, a lot of my female clients will, will be training their legs often three times a week. And I'll, I'll potentially split that into sort of glutes, hamstrings, adductors, uh, quads, maybe tagging on hammies. Um, and then the, the third day, maybe again, sort of glutes and hammies. Um, so whereas us guys, um, personally, if you, I mean, if you did everything that I'm talking about in this podcast is the assumption that you're training to failure, right? So whereas us guys, I personally feel that we can't really split, um, sorry, we can't really train any more than two leg sessions um, across the week if we are focusing solely on bodybuilding, right? Of course, powerlifters out there and whatnot might be a bit different. Um, and, and a lot of guys, they might split it into glutes and hams on one day um, and quads and hams on another. Or it doesn't need to be that way. You know, I think that that's very common, but if you are someone out there that's just in general lacking size everywhere, there's nothing wrong to say that you can't work glutes, quads, hamstrings, adductors, calves, everything on, on the one day, and then repeat that day a few days later, or, you know, work the same muscle groups with different moves a few days later. As long as you're recovering, then, then you're absolutely fine to do that. It's just that my thought process usually is the females that come on board for, for me, um, they often are bikini girls or aspiring bikini competitors. The common theme behind them is that they need a bit more tissue in their glutes. Um, for bikini, it's not necessarily that they need jacked quads, so they just want lean legs. So we prioritize a lot of volume towards um, posterior, right? Posterior chin. Well, not, I, I suppose that's not quite right. We don't prioritize a lot of volume toward back, but we will prioritize a lot of volume towards glutes and hamstrings. Um, whereas the guys that come on board, the common theme is, well, two different. They might be perhaps physique guys, which if they are, we don't need to really bring the legs up, or they might just be guys that want to do photo shoots and whatnot. Um, and again, I think that often I say they need to bring up everywhere, but a common thing that I've found is for guys, I'm just going to give you a tip here, um, what I would tend to do is have a, a quad-focused day, but have one exercise on that day, maybe two, that tag on glutes and hamstrings. So that might be... Before you do your quad focus day, you maybe do two sets on the hamstring curl. Um, you have maybe perhaps three quad loading movements, and then maybe you have like a hip thruster, and then another quad loading movement. Um, and then on your glute and hamstring day, you do very, something very similar. You would maybe perhaps tag on, I mean, 
my clients that are listening to this, you'll know I love putting in like a hack squat, widow maker, pendulum squat, rest pause, cluster set, whatever it is you name it. And, and for, for me, that worked really, really well. It might not work. It might work terribly for you. You might say, Vaughn, that's bollocks. And I guess that's the whole point that it needs to be individualized. And this sort of brings me on to the, the next point, which, you know, once you've decided which muscle groups you're going to train on what days, it's kind of going to come down to like your exercise selection, right? And I think that follow like to back up that point of individuality, um, these exercises need to be chosen based on your biomechanics, your ability to, to, to contract that muscle, what you connect well with, I suppose, and then just your likes and dislikes. Personally, I hate barbell squatting. And, you know, if you hate barbell squatting and you get sore knees every time you do it, then don't program it in. Just because you've seen, you know, you follow some, some guy on Instagram or female that has jacked quads and you see them doing barbell squats all the time, that's absolutely fine. But remember that their biomechanics and whatnot are different to yours. And they might be suited really, really well and can produce a lot of force um, in their quads and their glutes whilst they're squatting. Whereas you might find that you have an inability to to really connect with your, say, your, say your glutes when you're squatting because you're going to hit them quite a lot because you're still in hip flexion. Um, and you find that you just just really uncomfortable. You can't get the depth and you feel it in your knees. Whereas on the flip side of that, you might find that you connect really, really well with a hack squat. And you might, you might think, you know what, I feel every muscle fibre in my quads and um, I like it so it would make sense to to opt for the one that that is gonna you know you're gonna connect with the most and I guess my my main point there is that I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong I don't think there's a right or wrong with anything and uh, when it comes to programming I, I only feel that there is effective or ineffective a few years ago I used to look at an exercise and size and shun it straight away whereas now I look at an exercise, I'm like, right, okay, what are they trying to achieve with that exercise? What are they trying to do? You know, 2015, if I saw someone put a band on something, I'd say, fuck, that's a waste of time. But it's because I didn't understand what the purpose of was. And now I understand it, I see how it's effective. So from there, um, you're probably thinking, well, that's cool, Von, but how many exercises? Again, as a rule of thumb, I think that you could have anything between sort of six to eight exercises per workout. Now, bearing in mind that perhaps one of those might be a calf raise, one of those you might be tagging on delts, you might be tagging on uh, your your biceps or something like that, if, um, and then the other sort of six, maybe seven, um, could be directly focused towards um, your legs. So you, you might start off on the hamstring hamstring curl, um, you might do the, the adductor, um, then you might go across and do like a Smith squat variation, um, then you might do a, a, like a reverse V squat, then you might do a leg press variation, um, and then you might tag on, um, you know, a big dirty widowmaker set or, or whatever it is, um, and then then perhaps you're you're tagging on uh, tagging on delts. I mean, that's a little that's a little tip for you if you are a bikini girl to get a bit more volume in that sort of medial delt. You can you know to find a bit more room across the week to to hit delts, just put them in at the end of a of a lower body session. Um, a lot of my clients will do that. I'm very open about it and just say that it adds. Uh, the total uh, it adds to total volume across the week. So once we've sort of worked out muscle groups across the week, we've worked out exercise selection. You're probably thinking, well, rep ranges. You know, for the best results, for for muscle growth. Um, you know, what's the what's the holy grail? And what I've found personally works for me, me and clients across the years is rep ranges between six and twelve for the majority 
of your exercises. You know, it's going to allow you to go very heavy and it's going to create a, a large amount of muscle damage um, or it's going to allow you to create as much as much muscle damage as you possibly can, which in turn from that damage you're going to recover uh, with the gym, um, with your nutrition and recovery um, and grow your muscle mass over time. However, it doesn't mean that rep ranges that perhaps are a bit higher don't work, right? The One of the biggest drivers of muscle growth will be high mechanical load com- combined with mechanical tension. But at the same time, there's there's another sort of common um, training adaptation that we can get from metabolic stress or you know, that's a fancy word for you know not a lot of reps and, and a lot of um, buildup of, of waste products such as you, you, if you're listening to this you've probably heard of lactic acid right that's just a byproduct of a muscle contraction that effectively causes the muscle to, to go into a little bit of cramp and we, when we have a lot of it we have an inability to, um, to actually produce more force in the tissue so what, what evidence has shown is that um, you can get a, a sort of hypertrophy response from this. However, that response is actually a lot smaller than you're going to get from the likes of heavy, heavy mechanical load. So it's why you'll only like you'll only see perhaps some of my clients perform maybe one or two sets of this um, across their whole workout. And as an example, you know what that could be is like a leg press movement that's maybe a 15 to 20 reps plus uh, you know, a couple of drops or a rest pause style, a cluster set, whatever it is. Um, and in those sets, that's where I'm taking taking advantage of that sort of me- mechanism of adaptation, shall we call it, um, different mechanism of muscle growth. What it's going to promote is a lot of metabolic stress, but a lot of what we, again, we would add cellular swelling. And that's a fancy word for like, you know, um, a pump. You know, people, people talk about the pump in the gym, it's blood flow to muscle. So the muscle feels like, kind of swollen so they refer to that as a pump and we refer to it as cellular swelling um so as i said you know what 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 thing you could i like to add into that as i go right we've got three things i want to take advantage of there one of them is mechanical tension so can we actually combine the metabolic stress with the sort of mechanical tension the answer is absolutely yes so you're thinking Von, how do you do that well the one thing that we can do is we can band an exercise from the bottom. So as like let's say we're on the leg press, we're pushing into that range where we're strong, whether we're doing a high stance, low stance, wide stance, whatever it is, as you tend to push away from you, it gets a little bit easier. Put bands on, the bands instantly pull pull down and make it harder where you are usually strong. So you're having to recruit more muscle fiber to do that, but at the same time you're doing a heck of a lot of reps. So I would say if you're gonna train like that, or you like where you put that in your workout. It's going to be more towards the end of your session, right? So leg day, it would be at the very end. Any other sort of upper body day, whether you're doing maybe like lateral delts or pec work, like flies or whatever, again, towards the end of your session. So next thing, right? Again, I know I've been speaking a lot, but the next thing you've got to think about is you say, right, you've got the the exercise selection. You know what rep ranges you're working in, but, but Vaughn, how many sets am I supposed to do? Like... Some people on Instagram are saying four sets, five sets. Some people say two. I don't know, Vaughn. It's um, it's causing me a lot of confusion. So what I what my methodology or philosophy is, is I say that you should need no more than two to three working sets if it's a heavy exercise. And by working set, I'm 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 meaning a set where you have the maximum load on the bar for that target rep range, and are needing 
muscular failure by the end of, of that set. So if it says six to eight, you've got a load on the bar that when you do rep number eight, there's no chance in hell you would get number nine or it's 50-50 because you've got a spot there. Does that, does that make sense? So following like that model of sort of like alongside, like alongside progressive, like progressive overload, that will allow you to keep your working set so low. Like when you, when you look at an exercise and you're like, crap, I've only got two attempts to go all in. Personally, I feel it kind of like you instantly add, it's not pressure, it's just it beca- you, you have a heightened awareness of things of, of that you need to fucking perform. Like at the, the absolute highest, po- like highest po- point of, you know, you possibly can to get the most out of that set. Opposed to, I mean, on the flip side of that, if you're looking at your, your program, you're like, right, four sets of 10. So the first set you put a weight on, oh, actually it wasn't heavy enough, right? Second set you put, you've put a more weight on, but you finish at 10 and you know in the back of your mind you could have done four more. Third set, it gets hard, you do the same weight, you know you could have got 12, but you did 10. Fourth set, you go in and you fail at number nine. Out of, that, out of those whole four sets, one set has count. Which one do you think it is? You're absolutely right. It's the one at the very, very end. So why not, if you looked at it and said one set six to eight, one set 10 to 12, you'd build up, you'd warm up, you'd maybe do like, say, three to four warm-up sets, and I'll often do that. My warm-up sets might be, you know, a lighter weight for eight reps, then a lighter weight for five, lighter weight for three, then a lighter, like a weight that's just below my top set, and I do one rep. What I'm doing there is I'm priming the central nervous system, getting it ready for, for the work that's the way to come. It's, it's kind of being told, listen here, heavy weights on the bar, start releasing hormones and getting this body ready to, to do this sort of work. So that might take a wee bit of time, you know, first one or two exercises of your workout, especially on leg day, you're going to need to do some work in sets. By the time you get to the third load of movement, personally, I just go straight in. Oh, I just go straight in with the movement. Um, no problem at all. So I've said obviously two or three working sets. You're thinking, Vaughn, is it two or is it three? Guys, I will always tend to program in just the two. Females, however, they will like their programming will often have at least about, you know, most the majority of the exercises have three working sets. Um, why? Why is that? As I mentioned earlier on the podcast, I mentioned on a lot of other podcasts before. Um, remember that rule of thumb. You know, like for the most part, females have a superior ability to recover than your male counterparts, and. This is usually like this is usually combined with the fact you're pound for pound stronger. I've trained with um, a f- quite a lot of females over the years, ones that are at a very high level, and they, like they always kick my ass in relation to body weight to to load on the bar and um, that they're moving. And people go, "Yeah, everyone, but you're so strong." And I go, "Yeah, but I weigh fucking twenty stone." So like when you weigh like twenty stone, one hundred twenty nine kilos, like if you're not doing like let's say I do maybe one point eight, one point seven times body weight on something. But then a female comes along, she does double body weight. She's stronger. You know what I mean? Um, and as I said, like you're just how they recover out with the gym and in the gym um, is, is superior. I guess those mechanisms are sort of largely, largely like unknown. Um, you might have people say like, well, it must be that they have higher sort of lactate cleaning capacity. Um, but realistically, we just, we just honestly we, we don't know there's not too much evidence to say why this happens it's just a, when you see it in practice and you train with high level females it just it is that case um so again there's still a, still a lot to to kind of go through um exercise order as well is another thing that we should probably discuss and i'm sure that you're probably like your probable instant conclusion is that you know what i'm going to put the biggest exercise first and for the most part, you know, you'd be right. Why? Because those are the exercises that are going to demand 
the most amount of energy and they're going to create the most amount of muscle damage. So if you're not places a large amount of sort of demands on the body itself, then fuck, if, we, if we're feeling fresh and good and we want to give it the fucking beans, then of course we want to put those towards the start of the workout. You know, you're not more than likely not going to put um, a hack squat loading movement as your last exercise. Now you might put it as a 15 to 20 rep set Widowmaker and you know, people might call you crazy. I would say that you're a genius and if you have the, the testicular fortitude to do sets like that, you'll have big quads um, over, the, over the years. But I think that there's actually some instances where I would actually put some isolation exercises first. Uh, and again, this is completely person dependent. It does not mean you have to go do this. If you're on a program that works for you um, and you're listening to this, keep doing what you're doing. Just keep keep doing the program you're on. When things hit a sticking point, which might be in months, it might be next year, um, then change. You know, I, I did a program for literally 18 months, the same program. Um, saw a huge success from it and didn't change it once. Um, before I then realised, shit, I actually fucking need to train arms if I want to do well in classic physique. But anyway, back to my point of saying, when, in what case would you put an isolation exercise first? So let's look at let's look at the quads, right? I love training quads; they're fantastic. Now, what tends to happen is that if we were to just go straight in at a hack squat, what we find is we just we absolutely we absolutely smash the quads with the likes of the hack, and our ability. To get the muscle short, it kind of diminishes as the, the the workout goes on, right? As we continue to, to smash the quads, you're wondering, well, Vaughn, Vaughn, what do you mean by getting the quad short? If you're sitting on a chair, just fully extend your leg forward in front of you, try and get the back of your knee away from the pad, what does that look like? You're probably thinking, oh shit, wow, okay, leg extension. Exactly, right? So if we know that if we, in, in the gym, we want to try and work the complete contractile range, just what, like, like the hypertrophy coach said last week, we want to work a muscle to its complete contractile range. So if we know that on the hack squat, when we're at the top, we're not really overloading that shortened range. But we know once we've done it, we'll actually struggle to get in that shortened range. And remember a muscle, like we are weak, a muscle is weak where the muscle is in a lengthened range and where it's in a shortened range. So if we want to try and get the most out of that shortened range, it would make sense to work that before we work the hack squat, wouldn't it? 100%. So what you could do is say you go in, you do your warm-up sets on the on the leg, uh, leg extension, then you do your working sets. You then go into uh, the hack squat knowing you've got the muscle short, but at the same time, you're more than likely, you've probably like warmed up your knees. Because a lot of people will do is complain of knee pain when they're hack squatting. That usually stems from a number of factors like foot positioning, where they're pushing from, execution, but sometimes an ability like to not, not be able to contract your quad. So if you go on the hack and you have a bit of blood already flowing, in the quads, you, your ability to connect, initiate, and um, maintain tension on that move is probably heightened. There's a perfect example of where we would, why we would put the leg, perhaps the leg extension first. Other examples you might see that, perhaps people will put ham, hamstring curl first on a leg day, why? Because hamstrings, in a lot of people tend to be lagging behind the glutes. And again, as the session goes on, your ability to get the hamstring short in that short range will be diminished by doing the likes of big hip extension movements such as RDLs, hip thrusters, Smith squat with a hip flexion dominant. So again, the same thought process behind that is, well, let's do the hamstring curl first. Me personally, what I've always tended to do on a lot of my leg days, and I have done for years, this is again, 
dependent to me is I always do the hamstring curl before I go on and do the likes of a hack squat. The reason being is that you're like still to this day, my quads are dominant over my hamstring. So on my quad focus day, I do two hamstring curl uh, variations. What I often find is just that getting blood in the opposing muscle group firsthand, um, I'm able to do a lot more load than if I was to just wait and do all my quads first and then go into the hammies. Plus as well, like I'm fresher at the start. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna give it the beans more if that's at the start of the movement than if it's at the end. I, I do I do, do a variation at the end. I do give it the beans uh, on that as well, but um, I've got fresher beans at the start, if that makes sense. Um, so. What have we covered so far? We've covered muscle groups, we've covered exercise selection, we've covered rep ranges, we've covered total sets. Now, our total working sets, shall we say, per exercise. Um, exercise order, we've covered as well. I guess lastly, it's just down to the equipment that you have available, isn't it? And I guess this isn't me saying lastly, and this is the last thing you should consider, because I feel that there's a lot more that you can consider. I just felt that these were, these are some big take-home points that I could get into a shorter episode that you that you could perhaps then change your thought process behind how you train. So, I mean, in the current lockdown, right, you, you might only have limited equipment, right? You might only have some bar, a barbell and some plates. You might only have some, some adjustable dumbbells. So you're going to have to get creative with some of your exercises. And, and you know, the shameful blog here is that if you are struggling for variations and you don't know how to to have a, a to match a similar exercise from the gym to your home just listen just go on the youtube channel and just check out our home exercise tutorial playlist there's videos from myself uh, clara and ali and um, that we filmed all during the first lockdown um, and they're there to give you like you know we, we've got like a weighted banded hamstring curl set up how to set up a leg extension how to do cuff flies etc etc so it's just going to require you to think outside the box and i think if i was to kind of go back on what I've said already, you might actually have to get good at doing some movements that you kind of, that just don't suit you very well and that you kind of suck at. And I understand that you don't want to do it. Like for example, I am a very poor barbell squatter, but I know that if I was forced to barbell squat due to a lack of equipment um, over time, because I'd be repeating the movement, repeating the movement, repeating the movement, I would get a little bit better at that, right? And it's not to say that it means that over time you can't get better at initiating, contracting in such a move that when you go back to the likes of the hack squat, because you've focused so much on tempo, um, initiation, contraction out with the gym, when you go back to the hack squat in the gym, you just might you might see a, like a, a huge benefit because your thought process has changed. And that crossover from doing something that you didn't want to do to then doing something that you really enjoy and like doing um, again, as I said, you might see huge advancements in your physique in those first few months that the, the gyms do open, whenever whenever the hell that may be, right? Um, so I, I guess to summarise, um, there, there's lots of factors to take into account when, when you're designing a leg day. And, you know, you could adopt a similar thought process um, to, to upper body. I mean, I guess that's a whole... That's a whole different podcast, isn't it? A whole, whole different... Similar, similar thought process, but... Again, I mean, I've got I've got some men's physique guys that train legs twice a week. I've got some men's physique guys that train legs once. Um, I've got guys that have a bicep day because, like me, their biceps maybe suck a little bit. So that's where like programming can become individualized. And I guess years ago, I often had quite a warped view of this is how it should be. Whereas 
over the past couple of years, um, maybe maybe more, I've just realised how how individual it needs to be that, that, that you start with a thought process um, behind why you design it, and then you know, like as a coach, you just you see like, you see what happens. You 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 program it, and then you know the response, and then you see right. Okay, the past twelve weeks has that body part changed? No, it's not. Not as much as we thought it would. Right, cool. The whole twelve weeks, have you been checking their videos out and seeing what execution is like? Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. Right, cool. You know what? In that in that sense, let's maybe change up the change up the moves. You probably you maybe already changed them up and they're not progressing. But let's say they are progressing. You may maybe change up the moves, or you may perhaps add add an additional move. You maybe add a couple of two to four sets of volume across the, across the week. Back, going back to last week's podcast, I asked Joe about that method and he said, he didn't disagree with it, but he said he'd be more likely change the move, maybe perhaps go back to execution. So a final thought is that we can talk about sort of programming a leg day all we want, but if we constantly forget about execution, it doesn't matter what we're doing, we're just not going to reap the rewards of our efforts, are we? Um, I understand, I mean, as a total side note to, to this podcast, um, what I've seen from... A lot of clients um, in this week's check-in is, I guess I've just seen how hard um, this lockdown is for people versus the first one, um, and it's. I, I always, I'm always obviously get, I get saddened by this because I want to do everything I can as a coach to, to help them, and we, we chat it through, and we jump on a call, and they feel better, and we come with the strategy, and, and they feel good. And the thing is, what what I think about is that. It's great because they have that support network. They have myself, they have the team, um, they have a, a group chat with uh, with all the other athletes in it or, or clients in it that they can make connections with and offload on their chest. But what I'm trying to get at here is that, that I understand that you maybe don't have that. And I understand that you maybe at times are, are maybe struggling to even get out of the bed, let alone go in your garage and barbell squat or lunge up and down your pavement or, or whatever it is. Um, but please do not hesitate to reach out. And I know I speak for, for me, um, Ali and Clara, that we, we always say our, our DMs are always open. And if there's anything that we can do to, to help the situation you're in, uh, we will endeavour to do so. Simply because, not for any financial gain, but simply because we care. You know, it's not, it's it's out with our control that we, that the gyms are shut. And, and by all means, I will do, whatever I can to help them open sooner. I'll share whatever needs to be shared on socials. And I'm in constant contact with um, Andy from Lyfts, who's like the Scottish representative um, about getting the gyms open. And I always say, let me know if there's anything more I could do. However, I think one thing we understand is that it appears that the gyms are on a, a very low list of, say, the government or politicians' um, priorities uh, in regards to, to reopening. But um, it's not to say that you can't still get in incredible shape. Last year saw a huge amount of clients from the team, hundreds across the, the board, um, getting the likes of photo shoot condition. And it, it's so inspiring to see as a coach. Um, but as I said to you earlier, it's, it's not just about the physical uh, change in results, it's just about the, the support. And sometimes having that direction, that focus of even you know working towards uh, a certain month it doesn't need to be a holiday it doesn't need to be a photo shoot it doesn't need to be a show right it can just simply be I'm struggling I need a bit of direction I would maybe like to perhaps add a bit of muscle to my glutes my delts my chest whatever it is um, all you need to do 
is drop us a DM um, and you can just arrange uh, a free sort of 30, 45 minute consultation call um, with either one of us. And we'll more be happy to arrange that as soon as we can. Um, for, the, for the most part, we can often get on a call within sort of two or three days um, when we can sort of re reschedule things around. So if, if that is you, um, please do reach out. As I said, our DMs are always open. Um, but on the flip side of that, um, if you are getting on okay, um, just just keep it going. Um, keep giving it the beans, as I say. Um, and I don't want to sound cliche and say we'll get to this together um, because everyone's kind of sick of hearing that. But um, I'm just going to say that focus on what you can control um, and stop worrying about what um, Nicholas Sturgeon or, or Boris Johnson is saying because... I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Instagram or if it wasn't for our sort of um, uh, group chats with clients, I really wouldn't know what's going on in the news in the world. And I, I tend to live in my own wee, uh, call it Vaughn bubble. And uh, that might sound incredibly selfish. And yeah, it, it probably is. But I just, I don't have time for anything in this world that doesn't add joy or doesn't add value to my life, um, including, uh, not only my life, but including my, my wife's life. For those of you that don't know, um, as I said in a previous podcast, I am now married. So it's hence why I just find, like, I found very quickly when this all happened last year that the news was just very, very negative. I was finding myself Googling stuff after it and then going down the rabbit hole on people's Instagrams and pages and whatnot. Um, so I tend to kind of keep... Keep in my own little Vaughn bubble. Um, serve my clients to be the best coach I can be, and, and that that helps me. And I micromanage every single hour of every single day. Um, maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps not a Sunday. We all need a day off, right? Um, but if you if you need any help with that, um, again, always do let me know. But again, main main point being is that it's all right, even though there's there's fucking COVID going on and lockdowns going on. It's all right to just you know what. Living your own wee bodybuilder, like living your own wee world, literally live like a bodybuilder, like an athlete. And I'm sure that by the time it's all over, you're going to come out of it and you're going to look at your physique in the mirror and you're going to go, holy fucking shit. I can't believe me. Can't believe that is me. And you'll know that it's simply because that throughout lockdown, all you did was you gave it the big beans, the whole beans, and nothing but fucking beans.